Locked on Hornets podcast, Nick Carboni of WCNC joins me to talk about the Washington Wizards loss and if the Hornets can improve defensively going forward. We hit all of that today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your experts joining you every single weekday. We appreciate you joining us here on the Locked On Hornets Podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you get them. Also, make sure you check us out on YouTube. Closer and closer to 500 subscribers. Nick, did you get roped into the deal where you have to wear a Hornet or a B suit if we get to the 500 limit? No, not yet, but I'm more than I'm too willing to do that. So. <laughs> You're, so, see, what happened to me was I got roped into this, and I was not asked if I wanted to. At least I gave you that option, and you're still saying, "Yeah, I'd be down yeah, to wear a like, costume like that." I'm too game for a lot of different things. I probably okay. shouldn't uh, shouldn't be so willing, but hey, I'm good. What, hey, whatever look, we need to do. You're you're gonna get yourself in trouble. That's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Doug, and he's gonna find a way to get you a B suit. We appreciate everybody joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Carboni. WCNC. Another game, Nick, where we're talking about the bad defense from the Charlotte Hornets, where they had kind of kept that at bay, <laughs> at least for a little while, having three straight wins against the Denver Nuggets, that excellent comeback, holding Nikola Jokic to an inefficient 29, which is about all you can do against an MVP candidate and an MVP winner. Then they beat the Houston Rockets, not taking that win for granted because of the way they lost to them earlier in the season. Then they beat the Indiana Pacers and actually win after what was a tight fourth quarter since they've lost two games it wasn't even close against phoenix we talked about that yesterday me and doug did and now you go to this washington contest another bad first quarter this has been a problem that has plagued the hornets all season long and then in the fourth quarter they weren't very clutch and we'll get to some of those numbers in just a moment too but it's the defense once again that is so putrid nick it's in the first quarter they allow a ton of points you look at the washington wizards able to score 38 then they only score 18 in the second, 28 in the third, fine enough. And then they score 40 in the final quarter of action. The defense allows 124 points to the Washington Wizards. A pretty important game here, Nick. Yeah, How bad of a loss is this in your eyes, and how could it affect the Hornets going forward? You know, it, it just depends on how well they take care of these other big opportunities that they're going to have against teams that they're jockeying for position with. I mean, the Wizards are an, an interesting team, and they could still be right there with the Hornets at the end of the year. It's been an interesting time times to see when the Hornets catch the Wizards. I think earlier in the season they had, like, the best record in the East at some point yeah. when, when Charlotte beat them back in November. So, um, you know, it, it definitely hurts. They've still got an advantage in the series. They could still close it and uh, have that tiebreaker later on down the road. But obviously when you comp compound a bad fourth quarter defensively with the bad first quarter defensively, that's never going to be a winning recipe for Charlotte. I mean, they, they have been good in the fourth quarter, have been good in the, those moments, thought some shots just, you know, kind of didn't fall. And obviously Kuzma um, and Beal exploded. So that, that, that didn't help it. It's just how it's, it's always a, a waiting game to see how long can the Hornets sustain the defensive effort that's required for them, the way they're constructed to be able to beat teams at the end of games. It, it's so bad, Nick. I mean, I, I don't want to be this guy. Like I don't want to be this constant hater. I, I hate myself for it. I don't want to be a player <laughs> hater. Like I don't want to attend that ball, 
But when you go to the first quarter and you start to watch film on some of these breakdowns, it's really simple stuff. All the other team is doing is putting the Hornets in a ball screen situation, and then they completely lose their mind and don't really know what to do. You know, they're like a bunch of little ants running around that lost their line and they can't get back in control, and that's what's the problem with the Hornets. You know, there are a couple of different examples where there's one play I can remember, Bradley Beal, he's got the ball, he's dribbling to the left, and he picks up his dribble. Mason Plumley had picked up what was a screen and hedged where LaMelo Ball was picking up Beal. But then Terry Rozier's kind of in no man's land on KCP. KCP comes up to the wing. Bradley Beal looks like he's going to pass it that way. So LaMelo just completely leaves the best player for the Wizards, goes to KCP because he's wide open. He can shoot a three. (laughs) Mason continues to go down to the goal line because Daniel Gafford is about to roll. And then Beal just holds it like, okay, everybody left me. Here's an open three, bam, 10 to seven. You know, and that's just one example. Like there's another one where Mason Plumley just isn't in position between his man and the goal. Terry Rozier seems to be lost. Miles Bridges will sometimes get caught napping. Like, and I don't want to say it's solely effort. Transition stuff can be a lot of effort and that's a, a big problem. But also you just don't necessarily see these guys understanding how to communicate communicate effectively with one another and if and if they are then they're just not executing the right way it, it, the defense is really really bad and you don't even need to look at some of the putrid stats that show um you can just watch the game and see like in the second half they tightened up you know or in the second quarter I should say they tightened up 18 points I thought there was a lot better effort like shots that guys did make Bradley Beal just took Gordon Hayward to the rack and made a really tough fadeaway. I actually thought there was a really nice exchange between Hayward and Cody Martin at the top of the key, but but Bradley Beal is an all-NBA caliber player. It's just the effort and some of the lack of execution that happened in the first quarter that really did them in. Walker, with all these 10 days flying around the NBA, like what's Marvin Williams doing right now? Oh, because man, he, was, he could get these guys was, up into shape just like he that. He was the guy that tied it all together. Even if he could just Great like point. come on as like an assistant defensive coordinator – and just sit behind the goal that the Hornets are defending every time and be able to call out and communicate because you're right. That's exactly what's missing. And, and, and the stats don't tell the whole story as we talked about before is, you know, the Hornets had 10 steals in the first half against the wizards. Like, Oh, you'd be like, Oh, okay. Like their defense is, is better. Their ball skills are good. Their anticipation is good. Their transition is good. And that gets mm-hmm. them into that. But you're right. The lack of communication just leads to, I mean, you you could freeze frame some of these baskets, you know, a step or two before the guy shoots, and there's nobody. There are too many uncontested shots, both both inside and outside, and it continues to be a problem. You're right. It's not just an effort thing. It's a communication thing. And, you know, I'm not going to knock James Borrego as much as Twitter does because yeah. I can't, you know, I just, it's a different world obviously on there, but yeah, for sure. I mean, to have one of the worst defenses in the league to be clowned after the game by Kyle Kuzma, who mentioned how bad the defense is. Oh, I didn't see that. And like, oh yeah. Yeah. And then Miles Bridges was asked about it and he was basically like, well, like, yeah. (laughs) Miles just wanted to keep it real. Uh, Miles is, I've always respected that because even like, even when it comes to his team, you know, I remember the comments about, you know, let's be honest this, I think this is media day before 
his third season. So yeah. not this year, but I think it was media day before the third season. It was like, let's be honest, the Hornets haven't had a whole lot of success. Like it's about time for us to get to the postseason. I'll yeah. never forget the tweet where he said on Twitter during like, oh, be all rookie member. Hell, I played like ass this year. Yeah. Like I did that. I'm not I don't deserve that spot. And so well, he was the one after the Pacers playing game that said, we got our bleep whooped. Yeah. I don't know what like, I'm allowed to say on lockdown Hornets. But, well, I just did. You know, so he, he does we'll keep it real. Together. And the reality is this is one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At times it has to be the worst. I mean, there's stretches where I think it's definitely the worst. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how in, in, I think, you know, we, we isn't like me and like people who attend media sessions, like have to start kind of asking like, Hey, like, why isn't this working? You know, four years in. Why is you have, you have better pieces? You don't have all the pieces, but you should be better defensively than you are. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like just kind of talking about the center position more so with Borrego because we've heard his comments before about the five spot and not necessarily being happy about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I haven't heard that this year. You know, now we're thirty-five games in. Um, you know, at least right. I think thirty-seven, nineteen, and eighteen, yeah. or nineteen, nineteen, thirty-eight. So like the Hornets are that far in, you know, we're about halfway point. Yeah. Like now it, it is Borrego happy. You know, he, he talks a lot about how much he respects Mason's game and is he happy? You know, I, I don't I, think I, he can be, I think yeah. this is, this is year four for him. He got the extension obviously, but he wants to start making moves with this team. You know, he, he was down with the process. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. It's a bad uh, it, it word hurts. in this town I've right heard, now. Look, between Matt Rule <laughs> and Joe Judge is out here spewing trust the process. It's I honestly I love Joel Embiid at the time during the process movement because yeah. he was a Twitter god. But now it's just ruined everything. <laughs> now here's Matt Rule. <laughs> Joe Judge is biting off of it. It's I don't know what to call it, but he's been down with it. He's been yes. down with <laughs> how to build this team, the track that they're on. But yeah, I certainly think he's kind of looking like you know, he, he's got to be looking around and saying like, all right, like. This is what we are until we kind of make a move that that changes that. Yeah. And, you know, a center would certainly go a long way to help. It doesn't help and, and fix everything defensively. But I am in I am fully in the camp that they should make that move. Um, you know, I just wonder about Mitch Kupchak and where he sees the timeline. I think that's the only thing that's different because in the past, you know, everybody else from the outside has thought, OK, well, they're here. And Mitch Kupchak has been like, mm, no, they're, we're here. So yep. where does he see them right now on that track? Yeah, I'm going to talk a little more about that. I do want to point out some of the good just because yeah. I, I hate being the hater. I but, hate and, and listen, like go back three years. If this is our if this is our issue, it's okay. The defense isn't that good, but you know, they have the Hornets have one of the best offenses in the league. They have a budding superstar. They're on track to make the playoffs. They're 500 about halfway through playing a little bit better than 500 ball for the most mm-hmm. part. Like that's pretty good. Oh yeah. For the for Hornets sure. in the last few years. I think that's what makes it more frustrating. You know, what could yeah. be. And so let's get into a little more of that. I do want to kind of run mm-hmm. down the stats, do talk about some of the, the nice defensive capabilities that they showed, yeah. which means that they are capable further of doing some of those things as the season goes on. We'll take a quick break, but not before I mention Truebill. You know why free trials renew without your consent. It's a business scam out to get you. You don't have to let greedy corporations pocket your money anymore. You can download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. It's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for those things you don't want, need, or just simply forgot about. 
On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. You can be one of those people that has uh, saved a lot of money. In fact, it has over 2 million users, and Truebill has helped save them over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Again, that's Truebill.com slash NBA. We've got more defensive problems to talk about, but also let's talk about the brighter side of things with this Hornets franchise. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Podcast. Is locked on Hornets. We just flat out eat some noodles on Thanksgiving, and they're really good. That's a new one. I really yeah. haven't heard of I people know. just doing some straight nudes on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. Is, Thanksgiving is there some Italian background in your family? Is that why no. nudes show up? No. No, no I don't think nope, so. Just some, just some straight Anglican nudes. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. No Doug today, Nick Carboni, WCNC joining me as he does really every other Tuesday here in the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I did say I want to get to some of the stats, so I compiled a couple of, well, more than a couple of bad ones here. You know, Nick, they're ranked 28th in the league when it comes to defensive rating. Hornets are 27th when it comes to limiting fast break points, cleaning the glass, which discards garbage time. They're actually ranked even worse at 29th. Hornets are 22nd in allowing points in the paint. It's actually a redeeming stat. If you're only last 27. night, I was like surprised. Yeah, yeah I know. You, you would think it'd be worse, but yeah. sometimes it's not. They're they're 29th in defensive <laughs> re, a rebounding percentage, which is something you would expect with the lack of size. Mason Plumlee being the primary center that you play. 24th in defensive field goal percentage. 25th in field goals attempted. They're also 27th in contested two point shots. Means they're not getting a hand in a lot of the faces. Um, that take shots with inside the three-point arc. So I think a couple of things could help this. One, getting P.J. Washington back is going to help. He is stiffening on defense, as mm-hmm. Zach Lowe, I think, exactly used those words in his ESPN write-up. But we've always talked about P.J. being the better defensive center compared to even a Cody Zeller or a Bismack Biombo last year, and certainly that rings true with the Mason Plumley. I also, I've talked about it a million times, Nick, I, I, I can't help but notice Jalen McDaniels continue to be one of the few guys on this team that makes smart defensive reads. I think he rotates well. He continues to close out on players well. There's the one play where Contavious Caldwell-Pope tries to drive by him to the left, and it's a late closeout. Like McDaniels, I don't know if it's just recognizing it late or, or exactly what happened. I'm trying to get back to it in my brain. But he goes to the left. McDaniels recovers really well using his length and gets in front of him. KCP elbows him. McDaniels looks for the call, doesn't get it. KCP misses the shot, but they score on a second chance point. But like the, the recovery there is really impressive. So effort, cerebral, uh, cerebral play, and then execution. Bam, that's McDaniels. Cody Martin, like his effort is all out. And, mm-hmm. and, and he does a good job of recognizing what to do and getting back on some some screen situations. There are times where I even think he gets caught napping on rotating, lack thereof. But still, Cody Martin is a guy that I trust defensively more so than a lot of other players. Even a Miles Bridges, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Cody, but you trust him more. PJ Washington, when he comes back, I think there are there are lineups that can certainly help yeah. you defensively. Um, but those are the guys, you know. Like I, I think Lamelo gambles a lot. I think I think he tries to help the wrong people in defensive situations, and then he goes out to uh, just kind of goes to the wrong spot. But he runs there, you know, like he's hustling to get there. He just kind of he he just kind of hustles to get in the wrong spot. I, I, there are players to me, Nick, that can fix the egregiousness of it. 
You know, there there are players I think that can allow you to play the way you did in those three wins that you had before the last two losses, even without trading for a center. Despite that helping massively, so there are ways to improve. Yeah, I think two things stand out from all the good points you made. One, I mean, PJ Washington defending that position this year. There's two tangible plays that just stick out, and Mm -hmm. it was the first game he played and the last game he played. The Pacers game against Sabonis to open the year. Uh, defending him on that final possession to seal the victory. And then against the Nuggets, which I think was the last game he played before he entered protocol and then re-entered. And his defense, not only his offensive work, but his defensive work there at the end. And that was good team effort there too on Nikola Jokic. So, you know, that will go a long way. That's something James Brago mentioned after last night's game, kind of unsolicited. It's like, you know, we really kind of need him back for those moments. The other thing you talked about, like, that's all well and great. Like Jalen McDaniels is, is his defensive IQ is good. And Cody Martin, like, but it's got to come from the guys that start and finish the game for you because they're going to be in positions where they need those guys offensively on the floor to close some of these games out. And they have to play better defense as well, uh, you know, to, to be able to do it. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting that it's some of the role players, some of the younger guys doing it and, and not so much, at times, yeah, uh, the the five guys that you want to start and finish the game with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you hope to see it from some of those veterans. We've talked about that in the past. I, I do want to give credit to how about Miles Bridges looking like an all-star for at least a quarter and a half last night. Yeah, Really blocks. aggressive. Yeah. Second quarter, took over, finishes 10 of 19. In that second quarter run, he had 15 points. I mean, man, and just willing some of those shots. You know, the rebounding for Miles Bridges was really impressive. 14 total for him. There were a couple of skyboards that he was able to get, not in position. There was one where either it was Bertans or Avdia that boxed him out, and Miles just mm-hmm. rises above, and it's not really even an over-the-back because he gets so much air. You're not going to call that. And and finishing at the rim pretty well. Hit a couple of three-pointers. Took seven. Not a great percentage, but hit a couple too. That, that's something you want to see, right? Like – some of this you have to give him a little bit of a uh, little bit of an excuse because he did enter COVID protocols. Gordon Hayward told you it took him a long time to get over the effects of having COVID nineteen. I guess we don't know for sure if Miles had COVID nineteen, but we know that he was in the protocols. You know he's out. Yeah. yeah, and if he did suffer exactly from <clears throat> catching the virus, then he might have some rust. But last night we saw, and even in that third quarter, he was aggressive at the beginning, and then it kind of went away. But in that second quarter, most so or more so, man, we we saw Miles just say, "Look, this is this is my team. I'm going to put it on my back," and that's how they win that quarter, 39 to 18. Like that was nice to see on the offensive end. And that's been the fun part about watching Miles Bridges develop in this system, develop in this coaching staff, and and obviously as an individual, put in the work to to develop this much, and he's got that confidence now. Uh, he's got that confidence to take over stretches. Really, in the early portion of the year, it was like, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. I think he he caught the league's attention in a big way. And now at least the expectation, <clears throat> I think, from opponents and, <clears throat> and and people nationally is that, like, Miles Bridges is going to give you a pretty solid game every time out on the floor with the ability to, to, <clears throat> try to try to gun for 30 points. I think with the confidence, I, I he didn't have, like, a signature dunk last night. I mean, he went up pretty high and, and – you know, threw one down with authority as he always does. I was like, I, I need to see this guy in the dunk contest again. Yeah. 
Like it was awesome. Was his was it his rookie year that it was here and he did it, or was that his second year? It was I, when he was young and and you know still hadn't developed and still and didn't have the confidence he ha- that he has now. I would love to see him back in it because oh, yeah. I just think I think he could put on a show. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would love that too. And <clears throat> you know, you see him even add so many other facets to his game where maybe that's just not the only thing he's known for exactly. now to the yeah. to the national media. But th- that dunk last night, I honestly, I forget who passed it to him. It might have been Cody Martin. I think it was who, you know, decent secondary uh, handler. Mm-hmm. You know, he passed it to Miles and he did the reverse jam. He did the Mason Plumley, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And that was a nice one. <laughs> um, but yeah, Miles, Miles Bridges, like we got to see that. And that was special. And you hope to see that. Even more so, you you hope to see that in in stretches yeah. different quarters as as the game goes on. I still have talk- hope that he can get. I mean, he's he's been solid. Don't get me wrong, but like, oh yeah, that first part of the season was like, wow, okay, that that was eye opening. I think for even people that have followed him here. Yeah, like can he can he get back to legitimate <clears throat> all star consideration? Because I think mm-hmm. he's pro- he's fallen from that. You know, yeah. he he might be a guy that earned that primacy bias. You might remember that start, and people think, hey, Miles is is pretty good. Let, what, what about him? Oh, well, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Yeah. Let's go to this other guy. That's I, I think that's <clears throat> probably the thought process. Yeah. But can he you know have a few more games where he puts together a, a really nice stretch and then maybe gets a legitimate. Um, at least in that conversation again, and even if not, can he exempl- uh, Can he give you more examples of that type of play? Yeah. Before we go to the last segment, I do want to talk about Gordon Hayward. And look, we've talked, we've taken a lot of heat for you know being Gordon Hayward, you know, stands, if you will. I will say, like, you know, he scores twenty seven points last night. You know, eleven of twenty two, pretty consistent too. If you look at how his quarter breakdown: five in the first, ten in the second, five in the third, seven in the fourth. I will say this though, Nick. You know, there are a couple of times the things that stand out to me about Gordon Hayward missing some bunnies late and and, yeah. and shots you have to have. You know, there was a, a Doug texted me a couple of games ago and Gordon Hayward missed a shot and it's exactly kind of what you pay him to do. Hit those elbow jumpers get at the mid range. Veteran savvy, get to the spot. Yeah. Again. Yep. And and you know, he missed it. And it's like, okay, well, you're not going to be perfect in those situations. And then there was a, a moment last night, you know, he scores seven. Great. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, go too much on Gordon Hayward and say he was a bad player. He's plus three overall, 27. That's good. Eight rebounds, connecting. But missed four shots in the fourth quarter out of the six that he took. There was one pretty bad shot that he missed where he was, I don't know, within four feet of the goal and almost airballed it. It was, it was pretty short, if I remember correctly. And, and those stand out to me. You know, and and that's that's where I understand, right? Like people are going way too in on Gordon Hayward. I understand the contract's yeah. bad. He still helps this team more than not, in my opinion. But if you wanted more ammo for your argument, you would point to some familiar instances for a Hayward where he misses some of these shots that he should be making in crucial moments. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was very noticeable last night too. It was noticeable from the first game to me that part of their late game execution needs to be you know, getting this guy efficient shots where he's really comfortable and can make them. And when he's not making them, you kind of see the the numbers. It's not like he's bottomed out. It's not like he's like disappeared. Uh, his numbers are a tick down from, from last year when he shot the ball pretty well. Um, so yeah, it's that consistency. It's, you know, putting it in the, in the basket when they really need him to. <clears throat> We've seen games where he's, he's been really aggressive and what he can do for this team. So I don't want him in any trade packages. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and call 
getting him a bust, um, but certainly for the money, yes, you expect more and you expect more in big moments. And and we'll see. There's more than a half a season to go. Maybe he kind of figures it out. I I, I know it's you know it's weighing on him that he's not mm-hmm. shooting as well as you know either. And 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 certainly kind of what hinders him from being as good as he can be does the same thing with the team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really helps when, you know, when he's able to do the things that he's capable of. And you just feel like there are different guys going in different stretches of aggressiveness. Miles took his turn. You know, Gordon kind of taking his turn a little bit more yeah. infrequently. Terry doing the same thing. And you just hope it all comes together at some point and they're able to win. Look, they scored 121 points last night. Yeah, last night, with looking at the box score, without yeah. looking at the final score, it's like, Terry scores 25, Hayward scores 27, Miles scores 23, LaMelo has 18. Like, yeah, eh, that's pretty good. No, it <laughs> is. Bench, bench didn't do a whole lot. I think that was part of it. And obviously defensively, first and fourth quarters. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, let's continue to talk about that Wizards game, the Charlotte Hornets schedule ahead. Also, we did tease the Chicago Bulls point. Doug said he wanted to make something up. So we'll talk with uh, Doug maybe later on in the week about the Chicago Bulls. But are there any comparisons to make between these two teams? We'll talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Is Locked on Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits, like tidbits? That's a, well, it's a great word, tidbits. It, I mean, that's just a, a funny word. word, tidbits. I want to use it every single day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Now, one interesting thing here that I see in the box score too, Nick, it's Kelly Oubre, like, he's been very good. He's in six-man-of-the-year consideration but he's also had these stretches where James Brego doesn't want to play him, and I think that's because of a lack of uh, defensive ability from him. And he only played 12 minutes last night. You know, kind of interesting to see there after somebody that enters six-man-of-the-year consideration. Ish Smith plays more minutes than Kelly. In fact, mm-hmm. anybody who logged any time, Kelly played the least amount of, of time considering anybody that actually entered this game. Thought that was somewhat interesting. Is there anything else that you notice? And a minus 17, by the way. Like, you know... Plus minus, that is not a telltale stat. It's pretty irrelevant. But yeah. when when it's minus seventeen, <laughs> <laughs> and the next guy closest to you is minus ten in yeah. Cody Martin, and, and and Kelly only plays twelve, like there are some stats you can point to as to why James Brego is thinking maybe the way that he was. Yeah, plus minus is kind of like the football equivalent of PFF grades, where it's like ah, they don't really matter in like some senses, but. Mm. Yeah, you're right about that. That mm-hmm. one, you know. So yeah, I, I can see that. Um, the other thing that stood out was the free throw discrepancy, uh, not yeah. only in attempts but but you know makes. I mean, the Hornets hit. Let's just look at the makes. They hit seven, and the Wizards hit twenty eight. I mean, it's first quarter. You know, Brego was obviously peeved about it. You know, as he said, said his piece got teed up. That was the time to do it, but it still didn't really help the runaway freight train of the Wizards getting the line, you know, what, four times as much? And, yeah, and I mean, it... not all of that is on the officiating. The Hornets foul a lot, and they weren't being aggressive enough to get to the line enough. I thought, yes, yeah, so certainly they should have been a little more, but, you know, to me, that's more on the Hornets than the refs last night. Yeah, and, and you know, there were some missed calls. There was the one really bad one where Bradley Beal clearly picks up the yeah. basketball. Mason Plumley loses his mind yeah. when Beal picks it up, <laughs> dribbles again, and I think that was somewhat of a transition opportunity for the Wizards, and then they're yeah. able to uh <clears throat> they're able to benefit from that. So it, it's not look, 
the, the officials didn't cost them this game, but there were some certain gripes that the Charlotte yeah. Hornets could have with them. And you're right. The, the Wizards, I mean, they made 28 out of the 31 they took. So they took 31 attempts, only missed three. The Hornets took 13 attempts, and they missed six. They're one I mean, of the best offensive teams in the NBA, but one of the worst free-throw shooting teams. It's a bizarre thing to ha- wrap your head around with this team. Well, and what's unfortunate, too, you know, we ha- had all of this discussion about Miles Bridges last year being very close to the 50-40-90 club. And yeah. now the free throw percentage for him, if you look at it this season, I'm trying to pull it up, but it's just not been nearly the same. And this has also been a guy that's been getting there more. You know, the, the free throw yeah. attempts are more plentiful <clears throat> for him, and that was something that a lot of people, you know, kind of uh, criticized him for coming into the league. And so last year, he was 87% from the line. This year, he's just 77%. Yeah. 3.8 uh, attempts per game, and that's almost double the most that he ever had that he had two. So maybe attempts. this is more of who he is. I mean, maybe this is kind of where, where maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Maybe he's and, not and close to 90, but he, but he certainly needs to be above 80. Yeah. Well, and, and 77, you know, it's not, it's not the worst in the yeah. world, especially when you're getting there close to four times a game, but also like, it's just, he's a little bit further down on that list with the free throw yeah. percentage. And you know, so that, that's something that could be hurting as yeah. well. With and, anytime you're, it, it's not the, it was just glaring last night because oh, yeah. it's a plus 21 margin in a game he lost by three points. So yeah. it had to factor in in a, in a big way. Uh, the other thing is, Doug and I like to joke, can you make their starting center miss more than three shots? They did not do that last <laughs> night. Daniel Gafford, he only hit six shots, but he only took seven of them. And Gafford, there was the one dunk that he had. That was, There was a couple dunks that he had. But he scores 15, gives you 11 rebounds, had a couple of assists too. Add him to the Gafford. list. Add him to the list. That's the first place I go when I look at a Hornets box <laughs> during the game. What's their center doing? Yeah, shout usually out. it's usually it's that. Yeah, I mean, and Daniel Gafford has been very good ever since kind of being an afterthought with Chicago for a while, at least a year or two, coming over to Washington. He's been an awesome player, and he beats up on the Hornets. You know, certainly the first and third games that they've played so far yeah, this I, season. I thought not having um, Harold in their lineup would help the Hornets with the physicality, but it mm-hmm. just didn't really didn't really matter. Yeah, second time now that the Hornets have had an opportunity to take advantage of guys being out. Phoenix, mm-hmm. no DeAndre Ayton, yep. no JaVale McGee. Wiz, no Montrez Harrell. They, they still, of course, they had Gafford, right? But still yeah. not able to take advantage of that. And Hornets lose 124 to 121. This is the, you know, you look at the NBA standings. Wiz are now ahead of the Hornets in that seven spot. Hornets fall back to the eight. And if you look at the standings, Nick, you know, you have a group of teams. Boston, Toronto, I believe, is one game below 500 at the moment. You've got a lot of teams in that mix where the Hornets are, and now they have to try to figure out how can they separate from that group. This would have been an excellent way to do that. And that's this was a big game. You know, for, yeah. for the Wizards or the Hornets, it was a big game, and it's an unfortunate for Hornets fans that they came out on the losing end. Yeah, you don't feel too comfortable looking at the teams that are below the Hornets right now. Celtics, Raptors, Knicks, Hawks, like any of those teams could pop off mm-hmm. and 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 catch you and and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to win these fights. And it was that's why last night was so disappointing. Yeah, it was. All right. That was Nick Carboni, WCNC, joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. It's exactly where you can follow him on Twitter, too. Nick Carboni, WCNC, joining us a couple of times every month. Always appreciate your time, Nick. Uh, We appreciate you, man. Once again, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. Tomorrow, hopefully Doug will be back. Also, it'll be Wes Wednesdays. Wes Bryant going to be hopping on with us. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.